Welcome to Cutting Through the Noise podcast. We're going to continue our study in the book of James, learning some practical truths. The title of our thought today is, Some say I'm saved, others show they're saved. Some say I'm saved, others show it. We'll be back in just a moment with this thought. All right, welcome back to Cutting Through the Noise, and we're going to continue our study with practical truths from the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter number two, and we're going to begin in verse 14. But before we do that, I would like to apply a Bible principle for study. There's a big word for this, it's called hermeneutics, and the first thing we want to do in this passage of Scripture is, number one, we want to ask ourselves the question, who is writing? Who is writing? And we know that James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the penman uh, for this particular book of the Bible. God's the author. James is the penman. And this is the same James that we can read about in Acts chapter number 15. And, and it's a great uh, truth that we read down through there. There was uh, some confusion. Uh, somebody had... Uh, uh, written a letter and made a comment about, you know, that if you're going to be saved or if you're going to be generally born again, that you're going to have to be circumcised or keep certain aspects of the law in order for that to happen. And James and the apostles uh, had a meeting there and uh, actually discussed that. And and really, James gave his recommendation to that. And, and James says that, that that is not true. Uh, it's not works that save us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. And so they actually wrote a letter to some uh, believers there, to some local churches and sent those out. And, and uh, the Bible said that uh, uh, all the apostles agreed and, and even uh, that the Holy Ghost uh, uh, agreed with their writing there also. And of course, the Gentiles were excited about that also. So anyway, let's go on here. Uh, who is writing? Well, it's James. The second question we want to ask is this. Well, who's he writing to? Who's he writing to? And that's answered in verse number one of James chapter number one. And I'm going to read this and we're just going to apply these principles here. And The principles are real simple. It's context, interpretation, and then application. I believe that if you will apply those three things to your Bible study, you can rightly divide the word of truth. Context, interpretation, application. The Bible says James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He says greeting. And so the context of this thing, uh, James is writing to the 12 tribes. And as we consider this, uh, the 12 tribes, that, that's not covenant Israel. And it's not even the nation of Israel. And, and because it's not a specific tribe, it's the 12 tribes or to all the Jews or all that might uh, be a part of the tribe. And, and I'm going to just expand that uh, to all the Jewish believers. And that's who he's writing to, Jewish believers that had been scattered abroad. We asked the question, why were they scattered? Because of what they believed and because of how they lived and what their testimony was, was they were being persecuted for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you say, well, why would you make that statement? Look at verse number two, if you would. James says, my brethren, 
Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, there's a great word there. The word is brethren. Uh, that word brethren is found 15 times in the book of James. And actually, it's the same word uh, that we find in Romans chapter number 12 when the apostle Paul is writing to a group of believers. Here's what Paul said. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. The same Greek word. So James is writing to believers just as Paul was writing to believers. And then we say, okay, so what was he writing? What was he saying? Well, uh, we get a glimpse of that in verse number three. And here's what verse three of chapter one says. And James says, knowing this, that's a good word, knowing. It's good to know some things. You know, there's a lot of people that know about God, but it's better to know him. And we'll actually look at that verse here in just a little bit. But he says, knowing this, that the trying of our faith worketh patience. So what's the context? Here's some Jewish believers that have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of their belief, and by the way, belief should affect your behavior, but because of their belief, they were being persecuted and they were scattered abroad and they were, uh, uh, again, uh, just uh, trying to exist. It's almost like this COVID-19 thing. Uh, our life changed here not long ago, 30 days plus or something like that. And what was normal all of a sudden got disrupted. Uh, plane shut down, flight shut down, country shut down. Hey, many times the grocery shut down. Life was different. Why? Because of a pandemic. Uh, it was not life as usual. Life as normal. And really, that's what the book of James has to do about. Uh, there were some believers here because of their faith and because of their belief. They were being persecuted and they were scattered. And so if we were to back up and keep that in context, we can actually make some good sense out of the book of James. James is trying to encourage these people to, you know what, it's going to be okay and God's going to be faithful and, and don't give up on his coming because he is coming back. And James is saying, hang in there and, and it's going to be okay. And so it's, it's a great book that is very encouraging. It's also exhorting because, again, how we behave uh, does matter. People are looking. And here's kind of an interpretation. Interpretation means that, well, now that we know the context, how can you explain that? So that's going to make sense. Well, if we were to back up and look at the book of James from a very practical standpoint, when we began from chapter number one, really, we were to break it down for a title, we could say, how do we deal with problems? How do we deal with problems? Problems are going to come. And I've learned this, we'll either deal with them or they'll deal with us. And so James is saying, you know what? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. How do you handle problems? Then number two, you get on into the latter part of chapter one, first part of chapter number two, uh, is how do we look at people? How do we look at people? You know, sometimes we can be very prejudiced and, and we look at other people that aren't like us and we make an opinion or make a decision that, that they may have less value or it can be reversed. Uh, they're not like us and they have more value and we're worth less. Hey, listen, both of those are incorrect. God doesn't make junk. And then number three, how do we treat people? Do we treat them? the way that they ought to be treated. Hey, do we treat them the way Jesus would treat them? And so again, during times of trials and times of tribulations and times of persecution, how do we handle problems? 
Are we going to handle them correctly? And, and then number two, you know, we've learned this, hurting people hurt people. And how do we look at people? And we have to be very careful when we're being tested and when we're in the midst of a trial because it will cause us to look at people differently. Then the other is how do we treat people? You know, it's easy to get busy. I learned an acronym a long time ago for busy. And many times the acronym is this, and that is being under Satan's yoke. Hey, it's easy to get busy. It's easy to get uh, tied up and trapped up in life. And if we're not careful, we will not treat people the way that they need to be treated. And then today's thought goes with this. How do people look at us? How do they look at us? And I think that's the context of this particular passage of Scripture. Here's people that are scattered and, and they're persecuted and, and they're being tested. Many lost their lives. You read the book of Hebrews. I mean, there's a great book of faith there in Hebrews chapter number 11. And, and many had lost their lives. And many times under circumstances and situations like that, we don't behave the way we ought to, but people are looking. Now notice with me, James chapter 2, verse number 14. Let's give the application, the application of this passage of Scripture. Here's what James tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. James says, What doth, doth it profit, my brother, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, we read that and we say, oh no, what does that mean? Does that mean that we have to work for our salvation? Absolutely not. Uh, James contradicted that thought in Acts chapter number 15. He said, it's impossible to work for your salvation. Hey, the gift of God is free. If it's not free, it's not a gift. And so James, uh, again, is asking questions here. Then he gives the illustration. Note the illustration in verse number 15. He says, if a brother or sister, hey, it would be like a church member. If you attend church, you're going to have a church family. He said, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? In other words, if your church family has a need, hey, if your neighbor, we're supposed to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. Hey, if, if you run into somebody that has a need and you do nothing about that, my friend, there's something wrong with that. I mean, when you think about this thing, uh, a physical deal, we see individuals that have needs and, and we have no concern for them or, or, or uh, uh, no care for them. I mean, do we really believe what we say we believe? Some say, oh yeah, I'm saved. Others show they're saved. How do they show it? By what they do. We don't do what we do to be saved. We do what we do because we are saved. I mean, think about it. Some folks say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm saved. But you'd never attend church. Well, my friend, I just have a concern about that. Other folks would say, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm saved but you never read your Bible. My friend, I think there's something wrong with that mentality. Some folks will say, well, you know, I'm saved, but you never tell anybody else. I just believe that there's something wrong with that type of faith. Again, let's continue on here with the illustration. 
James tells us in verse 17, we're going to go down to verse number 19. He says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. He says, there's a colon, notice. He says, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Again, it's one thing to say that you're saved. It's altogether different to show it. And then verse number 19, a lot of people say, yeah, but I believe in God. I believe in God. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. You know what? A head knowledge, a head knowledge is not salvation. There's the, even the devils believe. They have a head knowledge of God but they simply don't know him. You know, this thing about salvation needs to move from your head to your heart. That's where it's going to make all the difference in the world. So we have the context, we have the interpretation, the application of this thing. Again, James is just simply writing from the standpoint of life, a life that's trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and a life that's not distrusted in him, but a life that is lived for him. A lot of folks will have lip service but I tell you what, it's different when you have a life service. A lot of folks have a talk. How many have heard this? Your talk is cheap. And your walk talks louder than your talk. You know what? Well, James is writing from the standpoint of, are you walking like you ought to be walking? You know what? I'm, I'm just convinced of this. If we're going to have the testimony that we're genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have a life that is mirrored by that. Uh, it's just not our speech, my, my friend, it's our spirit. You know what, if we're, if we're going to convince folks that they need to be saved, and, and if we're going to convince folks that even we're saved, we're going to have to live a life that's different. I read this a long time ago, and I believe it. You know, if you're going to make a difference, you must be different. You know, you and I as believers, we're going to have to be different. We're going to have to have a different spirit, and our spirit needs to be humbled, not haughty. You know, in these testings and these trying times, these quarantine times and these restrictions on us, sometimes those are hard to handle, and it's hard to keep a right spirit. It's easy to get haughty, but now listen, if we're going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be humble. Something else, not just our spirit, but our speech. You know, the Bible tells us that our speech needs to be seasoned, and, and I, I, I agree with that, and I think that's true, but our speech should also be sweet. Uh, when folks hear from us and, and we speak to them, our words should be so inviting that they say, boy, I wished I could be like that. And then the last thing I'd like for us to consider from this text is, uh, is about our service. You know, our service needs to be outward, not inward. It's easy to get consumed with woe is me, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got a concern for the world. The Bible said that he's not willing that any should perish. So our service should be outward. It should also be available. And I'm going to close with this thought here. And, you know, just a, a simple agreement with a set of Christian teachings. That's an incomplete faith. You see, true faith transforms our conduct. And true faith transforms our life. And 
True faith transforms our thoughts. You know, if our lives remain unchanged, my question is, is do we truly believe the truths that we claim to believe? I'm going to go back to my title, friend. Some say they're saved. Others show it. Hey, listen, I believe we ought to do both. If I tell somebody that I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, that should be mirrored in my life and it should be evidenced. Folks ought to be able to listen to me and look at me and say, you know what? I believe that that person is a real Christian. I believe that person has genuine faith. Hey, listen, if you're not sure that you have a genuine faith, I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John. Uh, That's a great book. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I hope you have a good day. Let's close in prayer. Father, again, I love you. I thank you for the practical book of James. Let us be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.